peak mind is not about striving to get somewhere else. It's simpler, more elegant and doable. I think of it like a triangle. The base is the present moment and the sides are two forms of attention. One side, receptive attention so we can notice, observe and be, and the other side, concentrative attention so we're focused and flexible. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Today we're discussing peak mind. Find your focus, own your attention, invest 12 minutes a day. The author is Amishi Jha. The book is published in 2021. I wanted to share a number of my favorite insights from this book, starting with mindfulness training, flashlight, floodlight, and juggler, Steph Curry on attention, working memory, decentering, meta-aware, peak mind and love, and finishing off with minimum dosage. So let's start with the introduction. Quote, you are missing 50% of your life, and you're not alone. Everyone is. Take a minute to picture it. Your life, I mean. Scroll through the individual events, interactions, and instances that come together over the course of a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime. Think of it like a quilt. Each square, a small block of time. Here, pouring yourself a cup of coffee. Over there, reading a book to your child. Celebrating your success at work taking a walk in your neighborhood, climbing a mountain, diving with sharks, the mundane and the extraordinary woven together and working together, forming the story of your life. Now take half those quilt squares and rip them out. The irregular patchwork that's left, a cold, drafty blanket full of holes, is the part of your life for which you're mentally present. The rest is gone. You didn't truly experience it, and chances are you won't remember it. Why? Because you weren't paying attention. Do I have your attention right now? I hope so. The idea that we're missing so much of our own lives is pretty alarming. But now that I have it, I won't be able to keep it for very long. As you read this chapter, it's likely that you'll miss up to half of what I say. And on top of that, you'll finish reading these pages convinced that you didn't miss a thing. Our distractibility served us well when predators lurked around every corner. However, in today's technologically saturated, fast-paced, and rapidly shifting world, we're feeling that distractibility more than ever, and we face new predators that rely on and exploit our distractibility. But no, it's not something we have to just live with. We can train our brains to pay attention differently. End quote. I really enjoy books that investigate the mind, and in particular focus, as author Amishi Jha does so brilliantly in Peak Mind. There is more stimulus coming at us today than at any time in history, and those that learn to master their attention are far more likely to thrive in this world. A quick reminder of the classic line from Nir Yal's book Indistractable, where he shares this about attention. Quote, In the future, there will be two kinds of people in this world, those who let their attention and lives be controlled and coerced by others, and those who proudly call themselves indistractable. End quote. You can't seem to keep your attention, whether you're just surfing the net, talking to a friend, or attempting to stay focused in a crucial meeting. You're somewhere else, no matter how hard you try. 
Consider the reality that you're missing out on half of your life, including some of the most critical moments. Let's explore a handful of my favorite insights from this wonderful book. Insight number one, mindfulness training. Quote, under stress, our attention gets yanked into the past by a memory where we get stuck in a ruminative loop or we may get launched into the future by a worry, leading us to catastrophize on an endless number of doomsday scenarios. The common denominator is that stressful intervals hijack attention away from the present moment. I wanted to know whether training or participants in mindfulness exercises could help them be more effective in high-pressure situations. I wondered if training people to keep attention in the here and now without editorializing or reacting could serve as a kind of mental armor. Could it protect and strengthen their attention for when they needed it most? In fact, mindfulness training was the only brain training tool that consistently worked to strengthen attention across our studies. Our research and best understanding of how to train the brain indicates that if you engage in regular mindfulness practice for as little as 12 minutes per day, you can protect against that stress and overwhelm-related decline in attention. End quote. As part of the Optimized Coach program, I started meditating seriously in 2019, and it's now ingrained in my morning routine. It is frequently the most enjoyable 15 minutes of my day. Matthew Ricard, in his great book, Why Meditate, says, quote, The antidote to distraction is cultivating vigilance. Whenever you notice that your mind has wandered off, bring it back to the object of meditation. If you suddenly realize you have been distracted, it shows you have recovered your mindfulness. So you should be happy about this instead of being discouraged and regretful. The more often you notice that you've been distracted, the more your mindfulness is progressing, end quote. As Jean's research has shown, you can get the benefits in as little as 12 minutes per day. It's a practice worth considering when it comes to training your attention. Insight number two, flashlight, floodlight, and juggler. Quote, your attention can be like a flashlight. Where you point it becomes brighter, highlighted, more salient. Whatever's not in the flashlight's beam, that information remains suppressed. It stays dampened, dimmed, and blocked out, end quote. With this flashlight, we have the incredible ability to consciously direct and select. We can point it towards someone we're with, into the past or into the future, or wherever else we desire. The floodlight is the polar opposite of the flashlight, in that it's wide and open. It's known as the alerting system, and it's essentially a scanning system that isn't sure what it's looking for, but it's always on the lookout. Quote, to direct, oversee, and manage what we're doing moment to moment, as well as ensure that our actions are aligned with what we're aiming to do, this is the job of the juggler. The juggler's job isn't to do everything itself. It's to make sure that the whole operation is fluidly going. It's to match up goals with behaviors to make sure those goals get accomplished. End quote. If you want to live with arate and express the best version of yourself moment to moment, then understanding the flashlight, the floodlight, and the juggler goes a long way to making that happen. Insight number three, Steph Curry of attention. Quote, I want you to picture yourself dribbling a basketball. The ball drops away from your hand and then bounces right back. Your focus shifts away from the task at hand and then comes back. Each time the ball falls away from your hand is either an opportunity to re-engage in your task, knowing you're still where you want to be, or a vulnerability. Lose the ball, then spend effort and cognitive energy getting it back. The more you practice mindfulness exercises, the better you get at dribbling." End quote. 
I love that analogy because a mindfulness practice can be extremely frustrating if you're struggling to hold your attention for a long time, which is the equivalent to running the length of the basketball court without dribbling. Quote, if you want to be, say, the Steph Curry of attention skills, you can't carry the ball across the court. You're going to have to dribble it effortlessly while some of the best athletes on the planet are trying to steal that ball from you while you're getting exactly where you want to go. End quote. Insight number four, working memory. Quote, I always think of working memory as the mind's very own whiteboard, but it's a whiteboard with disappearing ink. As soon as you write something there, the ink begins to fade. I describe how attention feeds into working memory. The flashlight of your attention selects key information from your surroundings or internal environment, and that goes into working memory. Just like writing on a real-life whiteboard, you can scribble ideas, consider concepts, deliberate decisions, notice patterns, jot down something you want to say, and more. Unlike a real-life whiteboard, though, this one is peculiar. The ink only stays on the board for a few seconds. End quote. Another fantastic analogy for understanding working memory. It can store thoughts and ideas, but only for a short time. How can you keep what's important on your whiteboard for a little longer? You concentrate on what's there. The content on the whiteboard is refreshed every time you point your flashlight at it. We are often distracted, therefore it's critical to know what's on your whiteboard when you're attempting to concentrate. We generally think of distractions as external things like a phone call or the buzz from a text message. But the reality is that many of our diversions are generated internally by our own minds. Quote, when mind-wandering directs both your attention and your working memory inward, your default mode is activated. Even in the absence of external distractions, your brain will produce its own salient, self-related content. End quote. Your working memory is a core component of attention because it allows you to do something with the information your flashlight chose to focus on at that moment. Insight number five, decentering. Quote, Decentering is a powerful technique because it weakens the hold that mind-wandering episodes can have on our attention. You're able to drop the story when it isn't serving you or when it's causing you distress. By unlocking attention in this way, decentering leads to reduced stress and even reduced symptoms of disorders like anxiety and depression. End quote. Here's a quick example of a decentering practice. Take the bird's eye view. Number one, gather the data by observing you in the situation. You gather data, but don't try to analyze it. Number two, replace the I statements with you or your name to help distance yourself from the situation. And number three, remember that all thoughts pass through your head. Thus, keep in mind that they won't stay for long. They eventually float away on their own. This three-step process will assist you in separating yourself from the storylines of worry, anxiety, and self-doubt that frequently play in your head. Insight number six, meta-aware. Quote, As we've discussed, there is growing evidence that mindfulness training increases attention and decentering and decreases mind-wandering. Mental simulations that can hijack attention are less frequent and less capable of keeping you locked in. But all of this may hinge on mindfulness training's power to increase meta-awareness. When you're meta-aware, you're looking at yourself. You're the object. You can't be simultaneously immersed in self-related thinking, mind-wandering or simulating, and reflecting on the self. This is why, as meta-awareness goes up, 
mind-wandering goes down. It makes sense that these would be antagonistic processes. The self can't be outside and inside at the same time. We want greater meta-awareness and mindfulness practice gets us there, end quote. Meta-awareness is the ability to recognize where your attention is concentrated and what your mind is up to. For instance, suppose you leave an important meeting and discover you have no idea what was discussed. The meta-moment occurred after the meeting ended in this case, but we want to activate meta-awareness earlier, and a regular mindfulness practice is the key to enhancing meta-awareness. Meta-awareness entails becoming aware of what is going on with us in any moment our thoughts and feelings. We can select what to do next once we have that insight. When we don't have it, we run the risk of being trapped in the rut of our default habitual reactions. Insight number seven, a peak mind and love. Quote, to me, a peak mind is not about perfection or being at some imaginary pinnacle, like you might see on a successor poster. Woman on mountaintop, arms flung in the air, relishing her peak experience. A peak mind is not about striving to get somewhere else. It's simpler, more elegant, and doable. I think of it like a triangle. The base is the present moment, and the sides are two forms of attention. One side, receptive attention so we can notice, observe, and be, and the other side, concentrative attention so we're focused and flexible. Attention, both its receptive and concentrative forms, is not only a precious brain resource, it's currency, one of the most valuable currencies. The people in our lives notice what, where, and who we spend it on. Attention, in a lot of ways, is our highest form of love. End quote. This line struck a chord, since it brought all of these ideas full circle for me. Mind-wandering, or a lack of focus on the most important aspects of our lives, has become an epidemic in and of itself. Parents who believe they are present with their children, yet are continually checking their phones or thinking about their work, Yes, although they're physically present, regrettably, their minds have wandered. Insight number eight, minimum dosage. Quote, if mindfulness training is beneficial, but nobody actually does it, who is it helping? Nobody. It was to the best of our knowledge up to that point, moving us to a practical prescription, the minimum required dosage for training your attention. Four weeks, five days a week, 12 minutes a day. So what does this all mean for you? Mindfulness training does indeed have a dose-response effect, which means the more you practice, the more you benefit. The key is having a goal that is not just inspiring, but possible. 12 minutes work better than 30, and five days a week work better than every single day. So that is what I want to encourage you to do. Practice 12 minutes a day, five days a week, end quote. There you have it the research-backed proven framework for effective mindfulness training, just 12 minutes per day. Now that you know what to do, your job is to find scheduled time in your busy day to ensure you get the required minimum dosage. 12 minutes is easy to do, but unfortunately, just as easy not to do. Quote, Mindfulness practice is not about making you feel better. It's not about achieving a special state of relaxation or about being blissful or joyful. Remember, the basic description of mindfulness practice is paying attention to present moment experience without telling a story about it. And that's the promise, that you will become, if you engage in these exercises, more able to be your best, most skillful, most capable self through the present moment, even if that present moment is hard, end quote. 
That concludes my quick look at Peak Mind by Amishi Jha. Do you remember what you read or heard in the preceding paragraph? If you replied no to that question, know that there is nothing wrong with you. Your brain is perfectly healthy. It simply requires more attention training. This book includes a Peak Mind training guide that will support you on your quest to improve your attention and focus. Dr. Jha is Professor of Psychology at the University of Miami, the Director of Contemplative Neuroscience for the Mindfulness Research and Practice Initiative. Get the book and take back your attention from the constant pull of distraction. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamba. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20 minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.